0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place, South Tampa Campus. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. I'm Abraham, the uh, campus pastor here at the Resting Place, and uh, I really just feel the Lord as we were worshiping. um, The Lord was just giving me a word, right? So I was like literally taking notes as worship was going on because um, I was kind of w- wondering what I was going to speak about. And the Lord just really began to deposit. He's been giving me a word all week and I had a pretty uh, uh, great week. You know, it was uh, my, my birthday last Monday, but I was celebrating for nine days. Um, I, had, like, I was more intentional this year. Last year was just like a party. This year, I felt like if people, I wasn't inviting nobody. So don't be upset if you didn't get invited because I didn't invite anybody. I literally created a space if people wanted to spend time with me. People were messaging me and asking me to spend time with them for their their birthday, for my birthday, right? And um, I was wanting to be intentional about just having one-on-ones or like small groups. And it ended up being really glorious because I feel like, We really have to learn to walk in the glory of God outside the four walls of the church. So um, whether you're floating down a river on an inner tube, you could still worship. You could be kayaking or walking through a nature trail and still worship and still magnify God. You could be going to a video arcade game place, jump on trampolines and still exalt God and Even the people that are around you, you get to minister to them. You could go play laser tag and still minister to somebody. And um, it was very evident that the people that I was with got to experience that because sometimes people think pastors are just talking something and some might just be all talk. But then there's some of us that are really encountering Jesus. That we It's not that we're perfect. It's not that we're holy. It's not that we're better than anybody else. We, we just become so passionate about the Lord and the experiences, the real evident experiences that God is not a distant God or God just from a book but that this God from the book is really still interactive with this relationship, with this us. In this time, having a real relationship with us. That the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob is the God of Abraham and Jeremy, right now. And that the same way that God spoke to David, the same way that God spoke to Ezekiel, the same way that God spoke to Jeremiah, it's the same way that God speaks to us in this time and age. If we seek Him, we shall find Him. If we ask, we shall receive. But if you're not asking, then what do you receive? If you're not seeking, then what do you find? If you're knocking at the door... You will eat. You will know him. You're going on a date. Because that's what you do when you go on a date. You open the door and then you go eat with someone, right? There's a knocking that needs to happen, but if we're not knocking, then what's going to happen? He says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. He says, Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. He already did the coming. Now he's waiting for us to do the coming, like literally. Like let's say bright is the Lord, right? The Lord's sitting on His throne. He already came. But as I'm drawing near to the Lord, to bright right now, what's happening? She's drawing near to me. It's just automatic. It automatically happens that when we start walking towards the Lord, it's He's gonna get closer and closer. It's like you see a mountain at the distance, and you say, "I want to climb that mountain." You start driving towards the mountain. It starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But all of a sudden, when you're climbing the mountain, you can no longer see the mountain. Because you're on the mountain. So all of a sudden, this perspective begins to change. Because now what you used to see, you can't see it because you're on it. Now when you are on there, on the top of the mountain, looking down, you see everything. You might be like, Lord, where are you? He's like, I'm here. You're on my shoulder. Like you started distant, but you drew close. And now you're not just even seeing him. You're on him. You're on him. Amen? So we just want to really encourage people again with the announcement to that event we're having, the Love Reach. We're going to keep going, guys. If you come to this church, I hope you understand We are not going to stop going. We're going to keep going. And if you don't jump on board, hey, okay, stay right there. You'll see a whole new group of people come and be like, why am I left behind here? Because you're not coming. It requires a coming. It requires a joining in. Feel part of the family. Don't let the enemy tell you you're not good enough. Don't tell the enemy, tell you because you had a, a fatherless spirit. You've been rejected your whole life. Then now you're in a family. You can't get close. Get close. If they don't call you, make the phone calls. Don't, like, it takes two in a relationship. And I wasn't even going to talk about this, but I really feel this right now in my spirit. Like, make it a part of your heart to be part of something. Don't just sit there like, okay, well, I'm just going to sit here and keep waiting. No, you're part of the family. Become active. We're offering roles. We're going to honor you. We're not going to force you. We don't force people. We're going to honor you, but we're not going to stop. We're not going to stop. We're not going to stop seeking. We're not going to stop evangelizing. We're not going to stop going. People might have a problem with it. People might not understand. Hey, when you get the revelation, you'll get it. But he who has a revelation of God is going to do what God told them to do. It's not about convincing. What we're doing is opening doors to show you that you're valuable, to show you that you're powerful, to show you that you don't need this mic. Honestly, if people are not doing things out there, what are you going to teach here? You can't teach what you don't live. But because we're living, we're teaching, God's opening doors, opportunities are coming, we're going, we're experiencing, we're exposing people to the glory of God outside of church system to get those that are... Lost, hurting, broken, discouraged, weak, however you want to call it. So if you have an opportunity this Friday or this Saturday to really come, come I can't be there on Saturday because I have school, but I'll be there Friday, you know. Then we have Jeremy there on Saturday. If you know how to paint, clean. If you know how to talk, if you know how to smile, let's see what we get into. If you don't know how to cook or paint or clean, I don't think we're cooking, but you know what I mean. If if, if you feel like you're not good at something, come learn. You don't know how to nail a nail on the wall, come. Let's learn that and take this as an opportunity. Like, yeah, let's go with my brothers and sisters. Let's try something out, see what this looks like, see what it looks like to help somebody. What does it look like to fix somebody's home? It's simply to move your heart to compassion. If your heart begins to move in compassion, evangelism will be easy. A lot of people don't want to evangelize because they think they got to go shame somebody into hell, out of hell into heaven. You got to go have arguments in the middle of the street or you got to tell people how horrible they are. That is not evangelism. Evangelism is telling people how good God is. That He, there is a hope and a salvation in him. That he is the hope and salvation. That he is faith. That he will transform his, their lives. And we use our testimony as the primordial example of God's power. Be like, excuse me, let me tell you what God did for me immediately. People know. People know when you're just trying to preach at them, and people know when you meet them in the street, and you're just trying to relate to them, and and connect with their brokenness, and be like, you're not just going to stay in the broken place, like, well, yeah, I was in the club. I was smoking. I was sleeping around. I was a sinner, and that was it. No, I was sleeping around. I was drinking. I was smoking. I was a sinner, and then Jesus met me, and he took my pain, and he transformed it, and he did this, and he did that, and then all of a sudden, you start remembering all the wonderful things Jesus has done for you because Jesus has done many 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 things for you but the thing is that we get caught in the moment and we forget of all the wonderful things he's done but when you're constantly speaking about what he's done he's like this one's faithful I'm gonna give him another miracle I'm gonna give him another blessing because I gave him one miracle and he didn't shut up he testified about that one miracle so many times that I could trust him with another miracle and then there's some people they don't they've been in church 40 years they never speak, right? And it's not because God has not done anything for them. It's because they are walking in fear and they're walking in pride. If you don't dare preach to people, let me tell you something, I know I'm going to mess your system up. You have a prideful spirit because you're so concerned about what people think about you that you're keeping your mouth shut and it was never about you. It has always been about Jesus. Always. I know it's uncomfortable. I know you've been in church your whole life. I gotta make you uncomfortable. You know why? Because Jesus is coming. The end of this age is upon us, guys. And it's not. I'm not walking talking about fear, doom, and gloom. How many of us are getting older? We all are. When I was twenty, a double of twenty would have been forty. I just turned forty-five. Was the double of forty-five? 90. How many of us are going to really be around when Abraham's 90 if Abraham even makes it to 90? I need to tell you something. Half of this room will be gone into eternity if Abraham makes it to 90. And if you make it to 90, I most likely will be gone. It's the reality. The end of this age is already upon us, guys. We only have but a season To take advantage of what God wants to do to us and through us. It's through you and it's to you first. And then it's through you. There's things you're going to. There's things and transformations that God is doing in your life. And it's because God's going to do them through you next. There's a miracle. There's a sign. There's a prosperity. There's a blessing. There's a transformation that he's doing to you so that he can do through you. For others, later on in life, people are going to come and be like, how do you do this? Can you teach me? Is this not what I'm living right now? So I got another 45 years, if maybe 50, 55. If I make it to 100, God have mercy. Right? I only got that much time left. And I'm thinking about 40. I cried on my birthday along with the Lord. I cried. I wept before the Lord. And I said, God, I only have 45 years left. I already went through 45 years. I'm like, what? I feel like I just graduated high school. What happened? It goes really fast. If you're young, let me tell you something. Get ready because after like 21, I don't know what happens. It's like it goes slow and then it's like right to the end. And you're like, oh, my God, everything's changing. Everything is changing. Everything is um sifting. Everything, we're, we're losing loved ones. My old pastors are already in heaven. The people, when I was a little boy like this kid, when they used to tell me about Jesus, a lot of those people are already in heaven. They're gone. They used to tell me when I was that little. I remember I was um, eight years old. The first time I preached. And I stood on that microphone. I remember like it was yesterday. All I said for like five minutes because my preaching was not like even five minutes. I read Proverbs 3. And all I said to the kids over and over again, I didn't have anything else to say. Kids, you got to be obedient to your mom and dad. Kids, you have to be obedient to your mom and dad. Kids, you have to be obedient to your mom and dad. That's all I preach. Okay, I'm done. And I remember when those pastors says you're going to grow up and you're going to be a powerful preacher. And God's going to make you speak his word. And it feels like Yesterday. And I'm already halfway through. So we have to take advantage of every single moment. We have to. So we're trying to teach you guys. We're trying to open doors. I'm just going, God said, open the doors. If they run through them or not, it's not your responsibility. Teach them what you know. Some might get it, some might not. Some might get it now, some might get it later. I don't know. But I'm going to keep announcing. I'm going to keep proclaiming. I just want you to know, in in a joyful way, time is coming short time is coming to an end. And we want to take advantage of every moment. Last week, um, I went to uh, Jesus Image. It's a church in Orlando. And I just really felt like I wanted to go worship and not be a pastor. I just wanted to go sit in a chair and be ministered to. And man, God rocked my world. I haven't wept. Like wept like a whole service. All I did was cry, because I—I mean, we feel the presence of God here. So it wasn't just because I was feeling the presence of God, but the fact that I could stop, that I could rest and receive. It's like a parent. A parent always has to go and do, and and you know, when you're a pastor, you always gotta go, you always gotta do, you always gotta move. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, because God called you, because you know you're in a mission. You have a calling. You have a purpose. You got to connect with people. You got to pray for people. So I, I went there, and it was just the glory of God and the word that was ministered. It rocked my heart to such a way that I'm going to share a little bit of those scriptures with, but with my own revelation of what I received during that message. And the title of the message today it's a question. It's a question for me, and it's a question for you, because I feel like it's time that we start to confront. We need to confront even our excuses, the limitations that we have in our own life. Are we confronting that? Are we so busy looking at everybody else? Because that's what church tends to be. Or you're in sin and you're wrong and you're wrong and you're wrong. And we never say, I'm wrong. Right? I would say, I was like, every religion I looked at, they all say that they're the right religion. They're the church. I'm like, Nope. We all accuse everybody of being an apostate. We accuse every other church of being wrong. We accuse every other church of being a cult. But nobody ever says, I'm a cult. Nobody says, I'm an apostate. We we all do it. As human nature, that was the problem with Adam. This is not even part of my thing. This was the problem with Adam in the garden. Adam, who told you you're naked? Well, you know the woman you gave me? Well, you know That snake? You know what was the problem with Adam? That Adam didn't recognize his own mistake. Adam immediately began to blame somebody else. And maybe the Lord was looking for Adam to go, you know what, Lord, I messed up. You told me to do something, not to do something, and I did it anyways. But Adam immediately began to blame somebody else. You know we've all lived the blame game? Well, they did this to me, and they did that to Matt. I'm sleeping around because I was abused, and I curse everybody out because that church hurt me. And I don't worship God because they kicked me out of that church. And I gave up on God because our pastor didn't believe in my calling. And I don't worship no more because they didn't like how I pray. You know what you're saying at that moment, and I am guilty of that? And I'm telling you, this is not even part of what I have. But this is where he's taking me. We're saying that that person, that pastor, that situation, that circumstance was greater than God. That situation is your idol. Your molester has been your idol for too long and it's time you lay it down. That pastor that rejected you is your idol and it's time you lay it down. Why did you stop what God called you to do? Because nobody believed in you. You gave up on God. You gave up on God because they didn't believe. Did you read your scripture? Who believed Moses? Who believed Jacob? Who believed Abraham? When at an old age, God said, you're going to be a father. Who believed David when he danced naked before the people? The presence of the Lord is here. What did his wife said? His wife. This man crazy. What did Sarah say? When Abraham was like, hey, God told me I'm going to be a dad. Ha <laughs> Literally, she laughed. She laughed. What did the people say when, when Daniel refused to stop praying? Well, there's a new law in the land. You must not pray. And everybody stopped praying except Daniel. Everybody called him crazy. Everybody called him crazy. But he refused to bow down. What did they say about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they said bow down to the idol? And the whole nation bowed down to the idol do you know that there could be a time and a test for all of us where the laws of the land change, where they tell you you're no longer going to help those in need, when they tell you kick out the immigrants and don't feed them and we'll put you in jail if you dare to feed a hungry person? What will you do, church? What will you do when they tell you, church, you have permission to condemn and shame people? You have permission to ostracize the gay community. What are you going to do, church? Are you going to join the world and ostracize people and all of a sudden bring shame? And all of a sudden you're going to turn your face from the hungry and the naked and all of a sudden you're no longer going to visit those in need because you might go to jail if you help somebody in need? So we must prepare a house. And I'm not talking about TRP, and I'm not talking about this building. You are the house of the Lord. I am the house of the Lord, and we must prepare our hearts. Because there's temptation bigger than pornography, adultery, and fornication out there. There are laws being passed around the nation, giving you permission to hate. You got permission to murder. What are you going to do, church? Are you really founded of the immovable rock of the ages? Because there is a bigger temptation than the sins of people committing in the bar and the club. There's temptation of pride. There's temptation of bitterness and anger and wrath. There's temptation of self-righteousness where you think you get the glory and all of a sudden you forget it was about God. And the title of the message, that's, we haven't even started. And I'm telling you, this was all right there, sitting there. I had nothing prepared. If you looked over, you saw it. I was typing on my phone. The question is a question. This message is a question. Am I foolish or am I wise? Am I foolish or wise? Am I foolish or wise? Think about this. And look what the scripture says. And this is the parable of the ten virgins. For when my coming draws near. And remember this is the words of, of Jesus says, when my coming draws near, heaven's kingdom realm can be compared to ten maidens who took their oil lamps and went outside to meet the bridegroom and his bride. Five of them were foolish and ill-prepared, for they took no extra oil for their lamps. Five of them were wise, for they took flask of olive oil with their lamps. When the bridegroom didn't come, when they expected, they all got drowsy and fell asleep. Then suddenly, in the middle of the night, they were awakened by a shout, Get up! The bridegroom is here! Come and have an encounter with him. So all the girls got up and trimmed their lamps, but the foolish ones were running out of oil. So they said to the five wise ones, Share your oil with us. Because our lamps are going out. We can't, they replied. We don't have enough for all of us. You'll have to go and buy some for yourselves. While the five girls were out buying oil, the bridegroom appeared. Those who were ready and waiting were escorted inside with him. And the wedding party to enjoy the feast. And then the door was locked. Later, the five foolish girls came running up to the door and pleaded, Lord, Lord, let us come in. But he called back, go away. Do I know you? I can assure you I don't even know you. That is the reason you should always stay awake and be alert because you don't know the day or the hour when the bridegroom will appear. Let's just bow our heads real quick and let's pray. Father God, have your way in this place. You are our Lord. You are our King. You are the one that speaks. It's your spirit, Holy Spirit, that leads us to all truth. You know the needs that we have, Father God. You know the questions that we have. You know the battles that we have. And we, we all need a word from you. We need you to minister to us. We need you to shift and change, refine and prune, bring the fire into our own individual lives. Minister to us, God, because you are our God and we are your people. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I start, I'm going to just give you the meaning of foolish first so we can have an understanding of this story. Foolish means resulting from or showing a lack of sense. And I only picked a few. It also means lacking forethought. So, in other words, thinking ahead. Thinking ahead. A foolish person never thinks ahead. A foolish person is thinking about what I like, what I feel, what I enjoy right now. But no heart for the future. In reality, look at it this way: a foolish person is a short-term person, short-term goals. Everything's about now. They want everything now. Give it me, give it to me now, now, now. Who does that? You know who does that? A spoiled little child. A child that's been spoiled so badly that they'll have a tantrum. Because they want it now. Give it to me now. And we, many believers go to God with that same little nasty attitude. And it needs to stop. Because we're not spoiled, first of all. Listen to the word spoiled. It means ruined. When a parent spoils their child, they're ruining that child. God doesn't spoil anyone. God raises up a child. God has no problem in correcting his child because a good father, listen, a good father will wake up early in the morning to correct their child. A good father is not going to be afraid to bring correction. I'm not talking about abuse. I know you were abused. I know you were hurt, but it's time to let it go. Stop idolizing that abuse because now you come into a place of correction and you don't know how to receive correction because you're still walking around with an abuse mentality and God wants to heal that abuse already. I know what I'm talking about because I'm talking to myself. I'm talking about me. That's why it's a question. Am I foolish or wise? It's for me. I'm just talking to myself in front of you. Now, if you feel like this applies to you, take it. If you feel like it doesn't, let it go. Eat up the meat, spit out the bones. That's all we could do. But it's time. We have held ourselves back because we're believing the lies of the enemy, telling us that we're still abused. Nobody could correct you. Everything is abused. Everything is not abused. And it's crazy that I'm the person speaking this because I was the abused person. But I had to heal and I had to let God teach me to love my abusers. I had to let God teach me to love my molesters. I had to let God teach me to love my bullies. And as God has healed me, God has opened my eyes to understand what is abuse, what is manipulation, but what is correction. A lot of the things of God have been taken and used as ill weapons. When they were meant as as tools, they were used as weapons to hurt us. For example, prophecy. That for years they took prophecy to go into churches and call people out and shame people and humiliate people. Or it's been used to manipulate people. Well, give me money and I'll give you a word. And all of a sudden, prophets are making a profit out of a prophetic word they got from heaven. Woe unto them. Woe unto them when they have to look at God in the face. It's not my job. I'm not going to judge them. I'm going to pray mercy. Because my God is a righteous God. And he hates wickedness. He hates lawlessness. Just because we were hurt in the church doesn't mean we allow the lawlessness to come into the church doesn't mean now we allow the sin to run the church if the sin is running the church we have a problem in the church and it's no longer church and i know some people might hear this message and think i'm being religious i am not being religious this is holy righteousness that we must come back to the place of holiness that we must come back to the place of being holy for he is holy And how do you become holy? You don't become holy on yourself. You don't become holy because you pray a lot, because you read the Bible a lot. There's only one way you become holy. Let me tell you how. Draw close to me and I will draw close to you. He is three times holy. You want holiness. Not even the holy can make you holy. You need the three times holy. You need the three times holy. And when you enter his presence, He radiates his glory, his majesty, his holiness on you, and you allow him to just transform you. It's like going to the beach. When you go to the beach, you're gonna be transformed. You see, when you go to the beach, you're gonna catch a suntan. You're gonna catch, now, if you put some sunblock, you ain't getting a suntan. And if you're blocking the sun, you got a problem. And I'm not talking physical. I'm talking spirit now. Don't confuse the two. I'm going from physical to spirit and spirit to physical. Know where I'm at. I'll try to tell you. But when you go in the, in the natural, yeah, wear some sunblock. Because too much sun can give you cancer. It can give you disease on your skin. Right? It could dehydrate you. But in the spirit, don't wear no blocks between you and the sun go as close as you can to the sun and let his fire consume you for he is a consuming fire, not a fire that's going to destroy you the only thing that's going to get destroyed in you is the wickedness, the brokenness, the pain and the sorrow but everything else remains pure as gold. the word of the Lord says that your faith like gold is tested in the fire which fire the fire of God people think the fire of God is your shade bah, 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 fall out and laugh no no. The fire of God is refining you. There's people that don't speak in tongues, but they've been through the fire. I know people that speak in tongues, and they're still messing in all kind of stuff. And I know people that don't speak in tongues, and they are holy and pure, and they, they stand. Because they've allowed the fire of God to get into the crevices of their being. So don't wear a sunblock. When you are in the spirit, wear a sunblock in the natural But when you go into the sun, you go to the beach, you can tell I got a little bit of color. Some of us get a little brown and some of us get a little bit red, right, when you go into the sun. But all of a sudden, what happens when you're in the sun, you no longer look like you used to look. There's something different about People could look at you and be like, did you go to the beach? Were you out in the sun? Because you got a different color. There's something different about you. So when you go to the sun and you stand in his presence, his holiness gets on you. There's a phrase they tell you in Spanish. Says, tell me you, who you're hanging out with and I'll tell you who you are. You know some people have been hanging out with Jesus. You could tell when somebody's been hanging out with the son. Something starts to happen. And it's not you. Religion will tell you, stop doing this, stop doing that, stop it, stop it, stop it. And they'll give you a bunch of laws and you don't even know why you're trying to follow these laws. Because you think you need to please God. You need. You think you need to try to make it to heaven. You think you need to try to save yourself. And that's not the reason why you follow his laws. He doesn't have laws. He has love. And his laws are guiding you and protecting you from the lies of the enemies out there. Like lust. Is your enemy. Gluttony, people don't want to talk about gluttony. Gluttony is out to kill you. Gluttony wants you so sick that your heart will fail you. Gluttony will tell you you're free and you could eat whatever you want. It's a lie. If you eat whatever you want, trust me, you will get sick. You need to connect with people like Juliana that will teach you about health. That will teach you what to eat right. I know your taste buds are messed up, and the lettuce doesn't taste good, but that greasy fat burger tastes good. But it's a lie. It's killing you. The devil knows that in a short season, you're in a short period of time, you're about to encounter the glory of God. And you're going to experience the glory of God, and you're going to run, and you're going to want to be on fire. But all of a sudden, he's like, oh, I got her. Because now she's burning with a disease. Now that she's ready to run, she's hurting. And now you're going to have to pray and wait for a miracle. But you could walk in wisdom. You could walk in wisdom like, yeah, maybe I'm not filled with the Holy Ghost yet, you think. Maybe I don't speak in tongues yet. Maybe I don't even know how to preach yet. but I have a dream. God's been telling me I'm going to preach his word. God told me he's going to take me to the nations. So you know what, temple of the Holy Spirit, for you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, I'm about to start aligning you. I'm about to start getting physically fit just for the fact that God's going to take me to the nations. I'm going to go to Alaska somewhere and climb a mountain and preach the gospel in a place I've never been to. I'm going to have to get this body fit because I'm going to be on a 24-hour flight over to Israel to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I need to prepare myself. I need to prepare my mind. The devil wants to give you diabetes. The devil wants to give you high blood pressure. The devil wants to give you cholesterol because if you get sick, when you get hit with the fire, then you're going to be having limits and excuses as to why you shouldn't go let's expose these tactics are we foolish or are we wise are we just buying everything we want now you could buy everything you want let me tell you go buy everything you want right now but in five years when you want to buy the house and you don't got the money I want you to go sell everything you bought and see if you could buy the house or you could be wise and be like you know what in 10 years I'm gonna buy a house I'm going to start saving. I'm not going to buy everything I want right now. I'm not going to buy every little thing now because there's a big thing I'm waiting for. You could sleep or run as much as you want. Or you could keep yourself ho- pure and holy for the right one. Because you see, when you sleep around, that's a trap of the enemy. I'm going to tell you. All of a sudden, yeah, you had a good time. But then you go home and the devil says, you caught an STD now. That's the first thing he says. Oh, she's pregnant. Oh, you're pregnant. What are you going to do? What's going to happen? Now you got to go to the clinic. You got to get tested. Now you got an infection. What are you going to do? Then you start going through depression. I messed up. I shouldn't have done this. And the devil's like, yeah, because you're a fool. You should just kill yourself. You keep looking for love and this is what you do. Well, you did it this time. Now go sleep with that one. Go in that app and start hooking up with everybody you want. That's what the devil will tell you. And all of a sudden, you don't realize that with every single person you were sleeping with, you were catching a spirit. Spirits are real. And you've been making covenant with evil spirits and you don't even know it. And all of a sudden, you find yourself bound. And he tells you how worthless you are. You're going to die. You know how I know? Because that was me. For seven years, I thought I was sick with HIV. So the devil told me, don't go to church. Don't go to church because one of these days you're going to die. And that youth group, they're going to love you. And then you're going to die on them. And then they're going to wonder why did the youth president die. But he was lying to me. He was keeping me captive with lies. And then the voice of truth spoke. And he said, go get tested. And when I heard God say, go get tested, I thought God was being mean to me. I thought God was going to laugh in my face and go ha, ha you thought you were gonna live you're gonna die that's what i thought the devil had abraham this abraham that now talks about the love of god people just say oh my god you just love god so much do you ever ask yourself why it is that i love god so much you think i love god because my life was good you think I love God because I was so holy and perfect? No, no, no. I was so unholy and so imperfect. And he had mercy upon me. Every believer told me that God couldn't love somebody like me. And then he showed up. He said, I love you. I'm going to make you a prophet to the nations. He took the broken kid and made him a pastor. This is why I love God. I can't stand religious systems. But you know why I keep persevering and pushing through? Because he told me. He told me back then, you're going to preach to a group of people you don't know. 1998, God spoke to me about you. God spoke about every single one of you in this room. He said, of people that you do not know, one day will sit around you to listen what you have to say. That's why I love God. Because he saw me naked. Because he saw me broken. Because he saw me hurting. And he had mercy upon me. And that's building a house. That's trusting the Lord. Religion will manipulate you. Religion will tell you, well, if you buy me a jacket, if you buy me a jacket, you'll get my anointing. If you give me, like, these shoes, these fancy shoes, I'll sprinkle some of my glory on you. Oh, you think I'm playing? If you give me a $2,000 offering, I'm going to pray for you so you get hooked up with a blessing. Lies, lies, lies. You better know the enemy of your soul. The lover of your soul died for you on the cross of Calvary, and he paid the price. He simply said, go to the upper room and wait, and wait. For those that wait upon the Lord, they will mount up on wings of eagles. He didn't say go in the upper room and pay a check, pay an offering. No, be careful. The devil is slick, and he has all these strategies, and we've been believing them. No, don't believe it. Look what the foolish ones did. While the five girls, so all the girls got up and trimmed their lamps, but the foolish ones were running out of oil. So they said to the five one, five wise ones, share your oil with us because our lamps are going out. There is an anointing on my life I cannot share with you. You're not going to just come up in here and be like, I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to fast. I'm, I understand people that are new. But well, you've been serving God for 20 years and you're still laxidating, you're still chilling, you're still relaxing, you're still not praying, you're still messing with the devil, and then all of a sudden you get nervous and you want the pastor's anointing? Are you kidding me? Do you know that that was developed in pain and in suffering? Do you know that this anointing has cost a price of tears and sorrow and long lonely nights and confronting every type of demon I had in my life? Trusting God? And you're just like, give me some. No, you're not going to buy it from me. You're not going to borrow it from me. You're going to learn to pray. You're going to learn to bend these knees. You're going to learn to put this forehead to the floor. You're going to learn to cry out because Abraham is not the one that's going to show you great and mighty things you do not know. That is not what the word says. The word says, the Lord says, for the Lord is the word. The Lord says, cry out to me. Not Abraham. The Lord, don't look at me right now. Just listen to the word. It's not Abraham's word. It's the Lord's word. He said, cry out to me and I will show you great and mighty things you do not know. You need to learn. I've been preaching. I think if anybody tells me right now that one time I'll quit right now. If one time I told you to turn to me. Or have I been preaching Jesus this whole time? Turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Seek Jesus. Because he's going to show you something you do not know. This that I'm preaching is something that I did not know. I didn't know this. People took advantage of me. I was humiliated, ashamed, told when I was supposed to speak in tongues or not, experienced this or not. And I had to learn to stand on my feet. I had to learn to speak the word. Well, we didn't like the word you preached. So repent for the word you preached. And I had to decide. I had to make a choice. Do I repent for the word that I preached, but the Lord told me to preach this word? Or I'll say no. And I had to look at these people. They claim they love me. And I said, no, that is the word that the Lord gave me. And I do not repent for the word that I preach. You repent because the Lord told me you need to repent. They went off They went off to kill me. I went through so many trials and tribulations, but the Lord says they could shut you, but they won't shut me. As a young man, people came with, with, with napkins as I was speaking in tongues and put the napkins over my mouth. Because they didn't want me to speak in tongues. And I would cry, be like, I don't understand. The Lord says, they can't stop you. They can't stop because I'm the one moving you. And they didn't understand what was going on in churches. Oh, yeah, this stuff happens in churches. There's churches don't want the move of the Holy Spirit. There's people don't want the presence of God because the presence of God, they know they in sin. They know they in sin. And if the true power of God comes in, it's going to reveal the sin. It's going to reveal the brokenness. It's better that we just confess our sins. I got sins. I got issues. I got struggles. But I keep coming to God. I'm just like, God, I mean, I'm not, I I think there's better qualified people out there. Like, I shouldn't be leading a church. He's like, boy, keep walking. Keep walking. God takes the unqualified. The unqualified on earth are qualified in heaven. But the ones that look qualified on earth, hmm, they might not be qualified in heaven at all. They're just preparing themselves. But there's others that God is preparing. And you know when it's going to be the truth when the giants arise. When it's time to kill a giant, you'll see the worshipers arise. Yeah, they weren't famous. They didn't look too cool. Their family didn't want them. They were back there somewhere. But when the giant arises and starts laughing in front of the face of the church, all right, in the face of the religious systems, there's going to be a little worry arise. Like, who is this uncircumcised messing with my God? Who is this uncircumcised cursing God's people? I'll take you down the giant. I'll take down the giant. And that's what God is doing. God is raising up some wise people. God is raising up some wise people. Check this out. There were ten virgins. Five were wise. But five were foolish. But all ten of them were virgins. All 10 of them were pure. Oh, I go to church and I'm holy? I'm holy. But are you wise? There's a question. This is a question for all of us. But I do my church thing and I worship and I get down. I'm holy. I haven't sinned in 5 weeks. You ever heard people that are like, "Oh yeah, it's been like" 10 days, three hours that I haven't. I'm like, bro, if you're still counting, you ain't there yet. (laughs) If you're counting, (laughs) you just started. You could be like, yeah, it's been 10 years and 55 seconds. You're counting. You still think it's about you, you still think it's your own effort leading you to this place. You forgot that it's the Holy Spirit that has empowered you from the very beginning to even start this race. It was the very Holy Spirit that led you to the truth of Jesus to even accept Jesus. Because the Bible says that no one can say that Jesus is Lord but through, but through the Holy Spirit. It's through the Holy Spirit. You think you made a decision. (laughs) It was the Holy Spirit. You only simply chose to follow the leading Of the Holy Spirit. He's leading you in truth. Stop trying to take a credit that don't belong to you. It's called pride. They were holy. All ten of them were holy. But only five were wise. All ten of them had a lamp. All ten of them had a light. Arise and shine for the Spirit of the Lord is risen upon you. They, oh, we're, we're the light of the world. They all shined their light. They were all wonderful. But only five were wives. All ten of them, listen, I hope you're listening. I know this is like, whoa. All ten of them had oil. Ooh, all ten of them had oil. All ten of them spoke in tongues. All ten of them laid their hands and cast out devils. All ten of them were anointed and appointed and chosen for such a time as this. All ten of them. But only five were wise. All ten of them fell asleep. All ten of them got tired. All ten of them were exhausted in the waiting. All ten of them. So what set them apart? Why were five foolish and why were five wise? Ask yourself that question. The wise ones, the five wise ones, they gathered extra oil. That's the only difference. They went over and beyond. They did a little bit more. Are you just riding the wave? Are you just doing what you're doing? Are you just standing with status quo? But I'm keeping up with the system. Oh, are you? What is the system? You know that the system of Jesus is called over and beyond? He did it extreme. He was crushed for your iniquities. Pierced for your transgressions. The chastisement of your peace went upon him. By his stripes you are healed. Do you know that the king of glory is extreme? He didn't just settle for less. He didn't do the status quo. Jesus did what had never been done before. What men had never seen is what Jesus did. Jesus went over and beyond. Is he the lover of our soul? Really? Are you accepting? We all know he's the lover of our soul, but are you accepting his love? Are you the lover of his soul? Are you the lover of his spirit? Will you say, you know what? You know what God told me? He said, look what the churches they're doing. And you know what he said? Now do the opposite. In the natural realm, we've been given a status quo of what church looks like. And this is what you do when You go to church for this one hour, this two hours. Everybody's happy. Everybody's content. Don't mess up their systems. Go mess up their system. Go mess up their system and you will see the true colors come out. Be like, what? Go tell a pastor he needs to repent. But don't just say it. You got to make sure God told you. <laughs> and you'll see. Go tell somebody you need to stop what you're doing. I'm a pastor. I'm a friend. I've had friends flip out on me. The moment God revealed something to me about them, and I went in love. So it's not about being mean. Because a lot of Christians are like, well, we're going to tell them the truth to their faith. They're not mad at you because you told them the truth. They're mad at you because you were nasty. Because you didn't carry the Spirit of God, the fruit of the Spirit, like gentleness and kindness and goodness. If people mad at you after you were gentle and kind and loving and joyful, then you know it was God. Because some people are going to speak the truth with a nasty attitude. Well, I'm going to tell you the truth anyways. No, 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 no. You could go over like this. Hey, Zach, I love you, but I'm still going to tell you the truth anyways. You see the difference? You could say with a smile. You could be like, hey, Bright, the Lord says it's time to repent, girl. You know, I'm not saying that now. I'm just saying. I'm just using an example. <laughs> he didn't tell me that. I'm just saying. <laughs> people be like, no, you're a prophet. You're telling me. No. I'm just giving an example. Hey, it's time to fix yourself up. Hey, there's a shaking coming and you need to be ready, guys. There's a difference, right? But you like, you know what? You little then all of a sudden people are offended if your delivery was completely wrong. Did you speak a truth? You spoke a truth, but your delivery was completely wrong. And it's delivering everything in love, through love, through joy, through peace, through patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and a sound mind. And then you go, "Wow, I was really nice to that person." I brought correction to people in a really loving way and some people have loved it. They're like, oh my God, I've never been corrected in such an amazing way. And some people have literally said, you corrected me in a beautiful way, but I'm still not going to accept it. And I'm like, okay, bye boo boo. It's you now. It's you and God. I'm not mad. I'm not going to be mad because people don't listen. It's not my advice, first of all. So people don't have to listen to what I say. I give it, I scatter it, and it's up to you to take it or leave it. But, If you think I'm your pastor, if you think that I love you, if your mom and dad love you, they're going to give you really good advice. But when you're walking in rebellion, you don't like it. And I know why. Because of me. I was literally 19 years old, and my mom's like, that girl is a witch. That girl's putting curses on you. And I'm like, Mommy, you're always judging everybody. I'm not going to deal with you. And I'm going to choose my friend. A year later, that same friend came to kill me. She was possessed by the devil. She was possessed by a legion of demons. And she was a witch. And I was like, oh, sorry, Mom. And I thought, when you're rebellious, you think your mom is being judgmental. And your mom is telling you the truth. That guy's not good for you, honey. I really feel like, Mom, you were trying to tell me what to do. That guy's not good for you. But because your kids are in rebellion, everything they hear is rebellion. They retaliate on everything. Because they're broken, they're hurting, they have abuse spirit, right? A person that has an abuse spirit cannot receive correction. They can't. There's people like, oh, you're my spiritual dad, you're my pastor. And the moment, I was like, okay, when the time of correction comes, it will prove itself. You're happy with me now, you love me now. You just met me, oh yeah, oh my God, I love you. Okay, so I'm like, okay, when the time of correction comes, we'll find out if you really love me. And you'll find out if I really love you. Because if I really love you, I will correct you. And if you really love me, you'll listen. Ooh, you get shot. You always think you're going to tell me what to do. No. Boom, and then something bad happens to them. And you're like, I told you, let's go. Come on, let's pick you up. And you know how I love you? Because I still walk with you after you done messed up. You're going through your charm. like, fine, let's pray. Next time, listen to me, bro. I love you. You know, you want to do that, right? Let's be honest. Sometimes you want to knock people in the head. I want to go. And I'm, I'm honest. I'll tell you to your face. I'm like, can we get this next time right? So, like, okay, thank you. You were with me this time. I love you. I love you. And then I'm like, okay, how about next time? Yeah, you know, you were really good with me now. So I'm totally loving forever now. I was like, Okay, so on the next trial you go through and I bring correction, we'll find out if you're really loving me. And people, some have changed. And they're like, I trust you, Abe. Let's go. And they keep walking. And some are still like, no, And I'm like, okay, when you fall on your face, I'll be here. And then they fall on their face, and then they show up again. And then you're like, okay, let's keep going. And that's the walk with God. That is how we do it. Come on. Any, Any raised hands? That's how I've been with God? I've been like that a million gazillion times. I'm only teaching my experience. Right? So all of them fell asleep. All of them had oil. All of them had a lamp. All of them were pure. It was the extra oil. And what is this extra oil? I found out last week through that preaching that, you know, when Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, the word Gethsemane means the oil press. So if you think about it, Jesus, you know, when the disciples were sleeping, how many times did he go to the disciples and they fell asleep? Three times. He was going through so much, so three times, right? You can't even pray. Imagine you're going through a trial, tribulation, your friends are falling asleep on you. You're going through a crazy trial, and they're like, and you're like, these are my friends. <laughs> and they're falling asleep. But at least they were there with him, right? They were trying. But Gethsemane means the oil press. Jesus is the, the olive that was being crushed. He was being pierced, right? And oil was being produced out of Jesus, to heal us he was so transparent with the father at that moment he's like if you could pass this cup from me he was being honest with God and God wants us to be honest with him like I'm going through this I don't understand why I'm going through this trial I don't understand why I'm going through this tribulation this hurts so much but God let your will be done God I'm scared I'm scared of when I see my mom sick I cry tears you don't even know and I'm like, God, what am I going to do? I don't want to go through this. God's like, I'm just three years ago, God said, I want you to buy funeral lots. You know, I went over there crying. I was in my car weeping when God told me. And I was like, I don't want to go to the cemetery, buy no lots. Please, I don't want to do this. And he said, trust me. And they were like, oh, how can we help you? And I started bawling in front of these people. I was like, I'm just supposed to come and buy lots. And it's not that anything was going to happen. He's like, God wants me to be prepared for when something comes, I'm more ready. But I was like, can you pass this for me? I don't want to do this. He's like, you're the one. And sometimes we're going to go. And when you don't understand, Jesus says in this world, you will have afflictions. But be of good cheer. Take heart and know that I've overcome the world. And because he overcame, we overcome. We cannot be afraid. But that oil, that crushing. That, you know the hard times you go through? They're producing oil. Extra oil. You know when everybody's pushed away and they cursed you and yet you prayed for them? And you were in your room crying to the Lord? You've been producing extra oil. When you were praying for your children and they didn't listen and you still Or giving them wise advice. And you're still in your room crying to God for your children that are disobedient. You're producing wise oil. You're producing extra oil every time they reject you. And you run to Jesus. That's what the 10 wise ones got extra oil. But why is it that the ones that have extra oil, he goes, I know you. Because in their season of breaking... In their season of pain, they could have gone party. They could have gone do whatever they want. They could have stayed sleeping. But in their moments of suffering, they went to the king. The other ones didn't have the extra oil. So when they show up, like, let us in. We bought our oil. You ain't going to buy this glory. You're not going to buy this glory. There is a glory that you're going to pay a price for. And it's going to be with tears. It's going to be with pain. It's going to be the trials and tribulation nobody knows you're going through. But in that secret place, you're there with God. And there's this extra oil. See, they didn't turn to the prince. They didn't turn to the bridegroom when they were hurting. They went and they bought the extra oil. They bought some cheap, cheap, cheap replica. But he knows the real deal. He's like, I, I've never comforted you. You had anointing you were holy, you had a calling, you had a ministry, but you never came to me when you were hurting. I don't know. I never had to heal you. I never had to lift you up because you were always so strong and so self-righteous. You you never came to me. But the other ones were hurting and they're like, oh God, there's only one place. I know. I've been there so many times. So many times just crying to God. God, I'm not going to give up I need your strength. And he still spoke to me. I got humiliated in front of a church with hundreds of people, and they called me horrible names in front of the whole church. And I went home, and I cried. My eyelids were swollen. My eyelids were swollen December 7th of 2006. And I wept in that room. And I went outside, and I screamed at the stars. And I'm telling you, I remember that day because the phone rang. And I screamed at the stars, and I said, where are you? Why are they crushing me? And the phone rang. And it was a prophet from Pensacola. And he said, for you looked up at the stars. And you asked me where I am. And he said, I am here with you. That's the God that I serve. That's the God that I serve. When people mocked me, they told me to shut up. And God said, you keep speaking. My own church, my own church humiliated me. And then they brought a prophet. And he came right up to me. I was on the side and he came up to me. And he made me stand up in front of the whole church. And he said, I've placed you as a prophet in this church and as a teacher. And they don't want to listen to you. But I am your God and I honor you. They brought the prophet. Thank you. Another church in Brandon humiliated me, plotted against me. And I still went to that church. And God brought a prophet. And she, she got up. She, she had me in the middle of the church. I thought she was trying to go behind me. She said, stay right there. And I was trying to move. She said, stay right there. And she starts marching around me like this. And I was like, what is she doing? She goes, they got up in this church and they plotted against you. They've been scheming against you. But this is what I'm doing right now. I'm marching around you and no weapon formed against you will prosper. I am your God and I go before you. And that's how I see God fight for me extra oil not just status quo it's not just going to church to go to church thank you it's allowing God to be your provider it's allowing God to be your healer it's allowing God to be your teacher and a teacher will correct you if God is your teacher and he can correct you then he's not your teacher he must be able to tell you when you've done wrong He must be able to confront your sin. He must be able to heal your insecurity. This is your God. He is a healer. He is a savior. He is a restorer. That's who he is. It's what he does. And we must come back to the altar. We must come back to a place where we say, God, we've become familiar with you. We think we know you. And we gotten so comfortable with you, and we're just doing the church thing. No, we need to repent. We need to bow down, for He's holy, for He is precious, because He loves us. Because we need extra oil. Oil is anointing. But what is extra oil? It's not extra anointing, it's the oil of your intimacy. It's the oil of your intimacy when you don't just go to anybody when you're hurting their dear friends. It's somebody that you trust. You don't open your heart to just anybody. To anybody you can say, hey, I'm good. But only to a dear friend you could cry. Be like, I'm really hurting. This hurts. And that's what what God wants from us. God wants us to not just be holy. Yes, you need to be holy. Yes, you need to be anointed, appointed, and chosen. Yes, you should be carrying the glory of God. But he wants intimacy. There's a lot of anointed preachers. There's a lot of good teachers. But how many know his heart? The birds have their nests. And the foxes have their holes. But the Son of Man has no place to rest his head. Do you want to be his shoulder? Who wants to be a shoulder for Jesus? Like, rest your head on us, Lord. Hear our heartbeat. Lay your head on my chest, Jesus, and hear my heartbeat. Can you hear, Lord, that even through my struggles, even through my fears, can you hear that I love you? Can you hear that my heart beats for you, Lord? That I don't care about titles. That I don't care about having friends. but I care about you knowing my heart. Can you hear my heartbeat, God? Can you hear my heartbeat? Because those are the brides. We're all going to fall asleep. We're all going to get discouraged. We're all going to get weary. But when we hear the sound, get up. The prince is here. Let's go. I got my extra oil. We got to go. We got to go. He's coming, guys. He's here. We got to be like that. I know for people, this is, could be a hard message. If, if you're listening to me with an abused spirit or religious spirit, or you're going to take this in an offensive way. But if you're hearing through the lens of love, this will be rocking your heart right now. Have I been giving my best? Have I been given the extra? Or have I just been riding the wave? I don't want to ride the wave. I want to be the wave. We are trendsetters. God is bringing the church into such a beautiful, holy place of intimacy, of knowing him. Freedom. Freedom. I'm free. I can do whatever I want. That's in the natural realm. Don't take the word of God and apply it as earth it's not a natural word it's a spirit word whom the son says free is free indeed it doesn't mean you are free to do whatever you want you are set free to do what's holy what's pure what's righteous what's lovely what's full of virtue you've been set free to do the things you couldn't do before because before you couldn't do nothing holy you were already doing whatever you want and it was leading you to hell you were already YOLO-ing, okay? I was a yoloer. You only lived once, and uh-huh, and I was going to die twice. Because there's a first death, natural death, and then there's a second death, which is a lake of fire. There is a hell. People don't want us to preach about hell. If there is no hell, then why did Jesus die? If there's no devil, then why did Jesus come to set us free? Free from what? This lie that the devil's not real, that this hell is not real. It's real. And he came to save us from hell. He's saving us from hell. And we, I why would I be sacrificing my life to obedience, to denial of the flesh? Because I was even living hell on earth. You either gonna live heaven on earth or hell on earth. You might fake it till you make it, but you know you can't sleep, you know you're having crazy nightmares. You're afraid of dying suddenly because sin will put shame on you. Sin will torment you. Sin will agonize you. Sin is a spirit, not an action. The person of sin will lead you to act in sin like the person of love will lead you to act in love. Is that easy. And he came to set us free. And if somebody tells me otherwise, they're lying because the Lord doesn't lie. I was in downtown and a man told me, oh, Jesus already came back. He's a Korean man. Jesus is not a Korean man. And I cannot accept those type of lies because he who comes to me with those type of lies is an enemy of my soul. And is trying to lead me to hell and destruction forever. How can I ignore the king of glory that has loved me for some Korean If I ever had the audacity to say, I'm Jesus, come and worship me, somebody better hit me with a chair. Hit me with a chair and send me to the hospital. And don't ever let me grab this mic again. And call Caleb in one second. In one second, if I ever got up here and said, Yeah, I'm Jesus, praise me, all of you should grab the phone. Even that little boy be like, Call Caleb now. Yo, Caleb, Abraham going crazy in the church right now. I'm not playing. We have to be careful because the enemies a deceiver. The Word of God says don't allow. There is no other name given to mankind but the name of Jesus. And he never said he was coming back as a human again. He's coming on the clouds. He's riding in like a champion. He has the wounds in his hands to prove to us. And on his thigh is written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Anything other than that is cheap and it's fake. And I will not accept it. And it doesn't mean I don't love. Because I love you, I rebuke you. That will be the one time. i put that man in his place real quick. And then I prayed for him. He's like, well, nice meeting you. And I grabbed it. I was like, well, i pray right now in the name of Jesus. If you don't believe me, ask Frankie. Frankie was with me. Frankie was like, whoa, I went wild. And then I pray the revelation of the Holy Spirit right now, that you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire, and that he will lead you to the truth. You could let me go now. No. You stopped me my walk, and now I got you. And I pray the blessing of the Lord. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord shine his face. I had to pray protection on that guy. Okay? I wasn't showing up. I was pray, praying protection of God. Because what will happen if that man dies at that moment, giving man glory, worshiping another man, Better be careful. We must be wise. Wise, and I'm almost done. Wise is having the power of discerning. You got wisdom? Oh, I know all the knowledge. That's not what it's talking about. Well, I have wisdom. I know everything. No, do you know how to discern? Do you know truth? Are you standing in truth? That's real wisdom. The power of discerning And judging properly as what is true or right. Possessing discernment, judgment, and discretion. To become aware of a secret. We have a secret. We have a secret. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, right? That through every age, God was speaking through his prophets only a fragment. But now to us now in this generation we get the language of the son it's been revealed they were waiting even the prophets of old didn't know they were children of god they were just building something and our generation is like yo 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 bright you a daughter ronda you a daughter eric you're a son oh my god we're children of the living god what we thought we were peasants but we are a royal priesthood. We thought we were forgotten, but the Lord says you're a chosen generation. What? We're a peculiar people. They called us strange, and the Lord says you're peculiar. <laughs> we were walking in darkness, but now we get to walk in marvelous light. Everything the enemy created to destroy us. For- us here now have become weapons for us to set the captives free now we have a story a testimony a message of the king of glory do you remember just a few years ago when you didn't know jesus when you were suicidal drunk sleeping around doing this hot mess anybody remember i remember don't get me started but now i'm different he saw me in my brokenness and called me a prophet, and called me a pastor, and I would get confused, like, why are you talking to me about this? I'm trying to talk to you about my sin, and yet you're trying to talk to me about your glory? Ah, and he'll fulfill it, for he is the author and finisher of your faith, and the good work he began in you, he's faithful to complete it? You think I used to speak like this my whole life? No, (laughs) ex-Wally. I'll curse anybody out in two seconds, right? Right. I cursed her out so many times. Not that I'm prideful for that, but I did. But God healed our relationship. There were times we battled. And she's here. She's my friend. There were times I got so angry and rebellious, I went bleep, 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 bleep. I sounded like the little bird, the roadrunner. Beep, 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 beep. That was me. And yet, God's just changing the language. And I'm like, whoa, rivers. Rivers. I didn't know there were rivers. There's rivers. That's God. So discern, discern this message, go to God and talk to God. I'm not changing the message. (laughs) If you have a problem with this message, we could talk about it, but at the end of the day, maybe it's your season to go. I'm serious. I'm not changing the message because God gave me this message. God is calling his people up. God is calling his people up. If you want to stand in the valley, stay in the valley. I'm going to the mountaintop. I'm going all the way to the promised land. I'm not even going to get mad. I'm not even going to look at you because I might hit you with the tablets. I'm going to just keep going to the mountaintop. Moses was so excited. He came back with the laws of the Lord, and then the people were sinning like beasts. A people that were set free from Egypt, then all of a sudden are idolizing, creating idols. That threw the man in a tantrum. I understand him. Just keep going to the mountaintop. If you have to go alone, go alone. I'm not doing this to have this title. I could let this go. I'm still going to preach Jesus. I was preaching Jesus before I was a pastor, and I'm going to keep preaching Jesus after I'm a pastor, if I ever stop being one, which I never will stop, because even if I didn't have a building called church, I was pastor before that, because pastoring is to love people, to meet people, to feed people, to take care of people, to pray for people at 2, three, four, four, five o'clock in the morning. To, to be a pastor is to be in the hospital when somebody's mother is dying. That is to be a pastor. When no other pastor with title shows up, and you're holding an old lady's hand until you see her, Go to heaven. And I was doing that before I was a pastor. I've I've literally helped people and see them take their literal last breath and take off like a rocket. It's the most amazing thing, by the way, to see somebody. Whoosh. I'm like, oh snap! They were ready to go. They went so fast. I seen the power of God, but that's what it is. So even if I don't have a title, even if I don't have a microphone. Even if I don't have a recognition or ordination, guess what? I'm still going to preach. Because he was the one that loved me first. He was the one that met me in my sin. Everybody else became a friend after. Trust me, if you would have met me in my sin, you wouldn't even be my friend right now. People couldn't stand me because I was just that broken. But because he's been healing my heart, because he's been teaching me to be good and kind and faithful, that's what changes your life. It's that extra oil the difference is the extra oh don't get impressed with personalities don't even get impressed with nothing you and god get impressed with jesus just get impressed with you give thanks to god for all the people out there don't try to be like none of us don't try to be like me don't try to be try to be like you say jesus who am i jesus show me who i am and be built on him and i'm done. I'm going to just read Matthew real quick Matthew chapter 7 verse 24 through 27 therefore Everyone who hears these words of mine, not Abraham's words, Jesus' words. You could like totally disregard everything that I put in my opinion and just go to the scripture and let the scripture be the one to minister to you. Maybe one you could play. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, Jesus, and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down. The streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock, which is Jesus. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. The rain came down. The streams rose. The winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Whether you're wise, or whether you're foolish, you're going to build a house. Whether you're wise, or whether you're foolish, you're going to be given the tools to build. Whether you're wise, or whether you're foolish, there's an earthquake coming. Whether you're wise or you're foolish, there's a wind, that's going to beat against your house. Whether you're wise or whether you're foolish, there's going to be a shaking. Whether you're wise or whether you're foolish, there's going to be a flood. We're all going to go through the same thing. We're all going to fall asleep. We're all going to go through the storm. But there's a difference. If you're wise, you will build your house upon the rock. And your house will not fall. Because the Lord is the rock. And you're not building on a man rock. You're building on a man rock. (laughs) On a rock man. (laughs) He is the rock. And you're being built on the palm of his hand. And no matter what you go through, you're not going to fall. There might be a shaking, but you're not going to fall. You're not going to fall out of his hand because he already caught you right for all have fallen short of the glory of the lord but who calls upon the name of the lord shall be saved so build your house in intimacy build your holiness in intimacy build the glory the anointing and the appointing in intimacy the chosenness in intimacy and your house will not fall that was the passion translation that was the the NIV and this is what the passion translation says it says everyone who hears my teachings and applies it to his life can be compared to a wise man who built his house on an unshakable foundation those that trust in the Lord they're like Mount Zion that does not move but remains forever when the rains fell and the flood came with fierce winds beating upon his house it stood firm because of its strong foundation you can stand with me because we're gonna pray and i just want to declare right now just raise your hands i declare that the lord is your strong foundation He is the immovable rock of the ages. That no matter what you go through, doesn't matter the fire, doesn't matter the storm, it doesn't matter the tribulation, the persecution. He began a good work in you. He's faithful to complete it. And I declare that your house will not fall. The Lord has seen your tears. The Lord has heard your cries. He fights for you he says my sheep hear my voice my sheep hear my voice and they follow and they do not listen to the voice of the stranger they listen to my voice i know them and they know me and they follow my sheep my sheep are in the palm of my hand and no one no one no one will snatch them away the Lord wants you to know today doesn't matter what you're going through. You're not going to be snatched away. I know the discouragement has come. I, lo- I know loneliness has been trying to speak to your ear and tell you that you're alone, that you're forsaken, that you're forgotten. But I've made a covenant with you that I would never leave you, that I would never forsake you, even if your father or your mother will leave you, abandon you. I will raise you up. I will raise you up. I'm with you and I'm for you. I am with you and I'm for you. I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. I see your sorrow. I see your tears. I see them. I see your affliction. Oh, but you're surrounded. You're surrounded. You're surrounded. I've hidden you. I've hidden you under the shadow of the Almighty. I'm comforting you with my feathers. I got you. I got you. I got you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place South Tampa campus. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.